welcome to Mom Body Soul Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Ziggy. Mom Body Soul Podcast was born from some open, honest conversations about our own personal fertility, birth, and parenting journeys. Having worked in the pre and postnatal wellness industry for many years, we have learned so much and have made so many amazing connections with other mamas and health professionals. We talk triumphs and struggles and learn from inspiring expert guests who share not only their work, but their personal stories too. We're more than just moms. This This is Mom Body Soul. So in today's episode, we are speaking to Karen Holt, also known as Urban Earth Mama. And we recorded this a couple of months ago. We took ourselves to Lantau. So it's the same day day that we recorded Carol McElroy's. Yes, it was an emotional day. I had had to like recover from that day. It was a long day. You had a headache (laughs) after. I got really excited about our little trip because it was really like COVID times and we were like taking a mini vacation. I had never met Karen in person. I just met her online. Karen and I have known each other a long time through the yoga community, but interestingly, the amount of times we've seen each other in person is not many, but I feel such a huge, strong connection to her. I really love her. I just feel like we really support each other. We really connect with each other. And I mean, this conversation was just so lovely. We talk what conscious parenting is and looks like from her point of view. There's a little bit of inner child healing. There's transitioning from one baby to two. And then also a lot of stuff on reclaiming your birth experience and expectation. Something I've been thinking about since we recorded Karen's because we're both on this journey with our parenting is that everybody's parenting looks so different and it's taking from each thing what you connect with, what works for you and your family doesn't have to look all the same. And that's one thing I think I really walked away with. Mm -hmm. So Karen talks conscious parenting and maybe you'll really connect with everything or maybe there'll be one thing you really connect with, but everyone's parenting is going to look so different. And on that note as well, there have been a couple of instances online or even just conversations with people where sometimes we mom shame without realizing it, judging another mother's parenting style, or even if we don't do it out loud, sometimes we might have that thought in our heads. And when I notice myself doing it, I just think, well, that's not my child. You know, I'm just going to let that go and wish happiness for that family. Yeah. And it's also a good opportunity to reflect on what your values are and that's okay. They don't have to be the same as that person's, but I always feel like it's a good opportunity to think, Oh, I like this. I'm going to take this from my parenting and maybe not that. Mm. Open-mindedness. Yeah. Let's get into it. Remember how we actually physically met? Remember seeing you and I think it was when I was pregnant with India. Yeah, and um, you were teaching at Blue Door. Oh, right. Is that what it was called? Yes, Blue Door Studio. Yeah, because yeah. that's where I used to live in Wanchai. That's right. Yes. Oh, Blue Door. That was a long time ago. <laughs> India's three now, so it's like yeah. four years ago. So that's how we met. And I didn't know this, but you had your Instagram account used to be Urban Yogi. Or it was something it had no, a different name. It was, it was the Health Seed Concept. 
Is that okay. what it was called? There was nothing yes. yogi? You never had a yoga Instagram? No. Well, that was kind of my yoga concept. But <sighs> the idea was that it wasn't just, yoga's not just about asana. It's about all these little seeds that you plant in your life. And for our non-practicing yogis, what is the asana? It is the postures. Mm-hmm. So your downward dogs. So yoga isn't just the physical body. It's- yeah. So it's just, you know, it's so much more. It's so much more. So when I taught yoga, I really taught in the roots of mindfulness. And what I realized is that actually we have to invite that practice into all aspects of our life, not just when we roll out our mat. And I think that a lot of yogis or people that, you know, love to practice the postures of yoga kind of roll up their mat and then that's it. They're done with it. So I had this idea that I wanted to bring together the physical side of yoga, but also meditation and also the food that we eat and understanding where it comes from and the effect that it has on your body and And eventually how you bring your family into that as well. And it was at that point that I was pregnant with India and I actually shut down my or shut off that Instagram um, because I just knew I needed time. And I had a very spiritual experience in my pregnancy with India. And what happened in that moment, from the moment that I knew that I was pregnant with her, I knew that I knew her. I knew that I'd known her in other lives before. And it was very strange because I didn't, at the time, I thought, wow, all mothers must have this experience when they're pregnant. But when I was pregnant with Reef, I didn't have that. I mean, I had love for him and this being growing in my belly, but not in the same way that I had with India. So with India, it was just this overwhelming sense of knowingness and of knowing her and I would have dreams about the girl that she is now. So she, her name, I dreamt that this little girl came to me and said, hi, mommy, my name is India Grace. And that was her name. So I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. We're at four minutes and 27 seconds. It's a joke. I'm feeling really emotional because I don't know if you've ever talked about this, but I knew Liv was Liv from long before, like with my other loss, when I talk about my other loss and being confused, when I found out it was a boy, I was like, this is not right because I'd seen Liv in my mind. And exactly like you say, I saw her not as a baby, but how she is like, as she's been getting older, like I really knew her spirit, how she was going to be. So when you're talking about this, I'm just like, I've never met anyone else who said something like that. that This is why we're each other's people. (laughs) (laughs) But but I don't, yeah. Do other people have this? I don't know. I didn't have that. I didn't have that. No, but I did. You, you explained it perfectly. I had a love for my baby and I was excited to be pregnant, but mm. nope. Didn't know him before he came out. Still getting to know him. <laughs> but I feel like India, I don't know, you guys have been with her today. She's a very old soul. Mm. Like she just has this real knowingness for people and life and she's very independent and knows what she likes and doesn't like and you know, wants attention, but not in a toddler way, like in a, Hey, I'm here in the room with you kind of way, like be with me. And you're very conscious about that. And what I love about your Instagram urban earth mama is that you do talk a lot about 
conscious parenting. And we said it earlier today, but you're the conscious parent that I want to be. And I think that speaks to that yogi thing you were talking about, about it manifests in all parts of our lives, or we should at least try to. Well, you know, at that time when we, we first met as yoga teachers, Hong Kong is a very busy city. It's a hectic city. And a lot of people were coming to me and I'm sure to you as well, because they wanted a physical practice. Yes. They wanted to have a a physical practice where it's about either how they are looking or feeling, but it's all physical. Yes. But I find over time people then start to, once they realize what it is, right. It's like an unfolding. Do you know, one of my favorite classes to teach was I taught a yoga class at a CrossFit gym and I loved teaching these guys and girls who were just super into understanding their bodies and getting their bodies to perform at peak levels to be, you know, in CrossFit, you do like handstands, right? But they're just throwing their bodies up. And so I worked with them a lot to really be conscious and be mindful of what is it that's making your body go upside down. And what do you get from that? How does it make you feel? And that kind of thing. And I started with them in a very physical practice. And by the end of it, I pretty much just solidly taught them yin. So you go on this journey of, okay, I really want to understand my body first, but then how does that kind of disseminate into other aspects of what I'm doing. Do you know that's how I found yoga? I was in CrossFit and I wanted to improve my handstands and I found a handstand course by Kino McGregor. Yes. Right. And she's a very famous Ashtangi. I don't know about you though. I found a huge shift becoming pregnant and then ultimately having my daughter in terms of my practice as well. When I was not trying to get pregnant, it was like, it was a physical practice. I've always had a spiritual practice as well, but a lot of the focus in the classes I was drawn to going to were like these, like I was always upside down doing arm balances, doing this stuff. And then you go like through pregnancy and having your baby. And it was like, it wasn't that I didn't care about those things, but yeah, well it is. I kind of didn't care about those things anymore. I was so much more connected to the mindfulness aspect, the spiritual aspect of my practice, the slowing down, taking care of myself, observing my body. What do I need from this practice at this time? I don't know if you felt that. Definitely. Definitely. I'm a very yin person by nature. So I um, really had to push myself into more yang practices So, and when I did, I felt more balanced within myself. Yin is more like the softer side, the feminine side. And then yang is more masculine, more energetic, more up. So in terms of energy, it would be yang would be up and yin would be down. I'm more introverted by nature. I'm a real homebody and just, I have a lot of softness to me, Mm. but I have to actively invite yang practices into my life to get that upward kind of swing. And what was your pregnancy like with India? So with India, I think that I became even more introverted because I felt like I was just having this profoundly spiritual experience. And I really struggled to be with other people because I felt like there was so much happening in my body. At the same time, it took us a long time to become pregnant with India and I think that when it finally happened and I was pregnant that I really needed to just kind of preserve something within myself. And I don't know if that contributed to the overall experience I had, but yeah, it was a very inward facing time for me. First, let's talk about the expectation of your birth. So I spent my 
whole pregnancy, (laughs) I spent my whole pregnancy just manifesting this natural, drug-free, divine birth. I I felt like the birth would go as the pregnancy had. And to the extent that I literally blocked out every other possibility. I didn't even, it wasn't just, oh, I'm not going to entertain that. It was like, it didn't exist. And then when it ended in a C-section, it was just devastating for me. And to the point that it really was a traumatic birth. The C-section itself went extremely well. I recovered extremely quickly physically, but emotionally and spiritually, I just had done so much damage to myself. And part of that was my, I guess, naivety in just blocking out the rest of the possibilities. And part of it was just not really knowing how to advocate for myself in those situations. And it was difficult because a lot of people would say, but she's here and she's perfect, so it doesn't matter. So you think that that's how I should be feeling when really there's so much hurt inside. And I found it extremely hard because when I saw her, I was like, it's you. I knew it was you. And I just... I knew her. I just, I don't know how to explain that I knew her. I just, when I met Reef for the first time, I was meeting him for the first time. And with India, I'd known her forever. And it was so hard for me. I was felt like I had let myself down. I felt like I'd betrayed this human that I had known forever by the way that she came into the world. What are the expectations come from just your personal desires to have a certain kind of birth or pressure or being a yogi or um i think that a lot of it just came from that kind of world of me being so deeply rooted in that world of yoga and spirituality and just wanting to feel really connected in my birthing experience which i really didn't in my experience with india Also, because I was born via C-section, I just really didn't want my child to be or my children to be born that way. And I just had it so deeply rooted in me that it was kind of failing in a way. I I can relate. I felt a lot of pressure and it was pressure that I put on myself. No one was telling me I had to have a birth a certain way. It was what I wanted, my expectation of first birth. And we talked about this with Dr. Tess Brown. A lot of the times the experience does become traumatic because I'm not processing what's happened Mm -hmm. with those expectations. And logically and rationally, I know all the stuff like, yes, I have a baby. Yes, he's here. Yes, we're both alive and well. Everybody's goal is to have a healthy baby and a healthy mother at the end of this birth situation. So that to me is like, that's yeah. base. Okay. I we can feel, just tick that yeah, bo- it just box becomes off. So black and it's exactly, mm, it's right? like ticking a box and that box is just so fundamental. Like it just should go without saying. And then there's so many other layers upon layers of complexity yes. that people don't really talk about. And then now I think there's a little bit of, you know, let's take care of the mum in the fourth trimester. But really, when does the fourth trimester end? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it goes true. on and it goes on. And 
it wasn't until like I had to do so much work in healing myself to prepare myself for the next Um, baby. What was that healing like? What did you do? It was a lot of forgiveness. It's definitely an ongoing process. It's, I don't think that you just wake up one morning and you're like, I'm healed. I mean, I did sessions with Lindsay before I gave birth to Reef and there was still a lot of stuff there, even though I for a long time had felt really good. You know, there was still more. Were you surprised? I felt like you were a little surprised when I picked up on some stuff and I said, are you feeling this way? Are you feeling that way? You know, you're a connected person. You're an aware person. You know when there's stuff up. But I think you thought you'd maybe got to a point and you realized there was some... There's some stuff there. Could we just rewind a little? So in terms of the specific methods that you used for healing, did you see a therapist? Did you do like energy work? Did you just do your own? I did my own. So I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of meditation. I I kind of felt like I didn't need to see someone because I felt like I had the tools to do it myself. And then obviously if I felt like that wasn't working, the next point would have been to reach out. I have an incredibly supportive husband, so I had a great support network. But And he would openly say this as well, he's not me and he's not a woman, so he doesn't understand what I went through in that time. So a lot of it is just stuff you have, you have to do the work yourself. And for me, and I started learning about this stuff when I did my very first yoga teacher training is that we all have so much hurt that we need to heal within ourselves, our inner child. Right. And for me, there is stuff that just goes way back (laughs) to the start, um, that needed to be healed. And it just all comes up when you have these pregnancy and birth experiences because you're stripped down to nothing. Did you ever talk to your mum about the way that you guys were born with the C-section? So, yeah, we've talked about it. It was just an emergency C-section. So um, she had been in my, her water had broken and she'd been in labor for more than 24 hours. And, um, you know, back then <laughs> it's, a lot more cut and dry, I think, than it is these days. And there was a lot less freedoms in terms of what you could choose to do or what you could advocate for, for yourself. Um, and she was a young mom and she just wanted the best. And so I think, you know, it's not just forgiving yourself, but it's forgiving your parents because as parents, now that I am a parent, I understand that you're only doing the best that you can with the knowledge that you have in that moment. And that's all we can do. And that's why you have to forgive your parents and you have to forgive yourself because you're doing the best that you can do. They did the best that they could do in that moment. And that's it. Well, this is the stuff, the inner child stuff is coming up a lot in my life recently. And a lot of talk, like we're talking about it with Coco, who comes on to talk about conscious parenting. And the, the inner child stuff scares me because I'm raising a child. I'm incredibly reflective right now on my childhood, which makes me feel like I'm being critical a little bit of my parents, even though I don't think of it necessarily that way. I feel bad. Mm -hmm. I feel bad analyzing my childhood and thinking, Oh, this might've had an effect on me this way. This might've had an effect on me that way. And then I'm hyper conscious of everything I'm doing with my daughter. Cause I think, Oh, 
if I do this, is this going to have like a lifelong effect? And then she's going to be later on like criticizing me. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not criticizing my parents and not everything's actually just about your parents. There's a lot of different things that come into it, right? Like your whole childhood is shaping it, but this is like the, this is what happens to me. And then I get, you know, overwhelmed by it all. Well, my trick for that is when things come up with India and I know afterwards that I haven't handled it in the best way is that I talk to her about it and I tell her I'm sorry. That's what you do, Six. I, well, it's because I do it a lot because I feel bad about the way I parent a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a yeller. Like I was, I was brought up in a household with a lot of yelling. So my default is yelling and mm. no one likes being yelled at. Yeah. No one wants that energy. And so when I feel it coming up, sometimes I can stop myself. But more often than not, I'm going back and being like, hey, I didn't handle that very well. And you know what George always says? He goes, it's okay, mommy. It was just an accident. Oh, oh goodness me. Right? <laughs> from you, like, talking about I do try and do this with Liv. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if, like, you know, if we haven't had the best day, like, when I put her to bed, I'm like, mommy's trying to be the best mommy she can be. And I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm really proud of you. Like I have like a little chat with her and she, and she yeah. just like taps my back when I'm doing it. Right. <gasps> Tap the back. Oh, I'm thinking, is this kid like, oh, here goes mom again. She's crazy. <laughs> but I was saying this to someone on Instagram who hasn't even had kids yet. We went to school together and she messaged me. I'm so glad I'm following you now before I have kids so that when I have kids, I feel like I'm going to be a better parent because I would have done all this work yes. prior to. Oh, that, that would have helped me too. so much. I'm not raising kids. My kids are raising, like, raising me. Yes. Like, so raising yes, who I am as a person. So true. It's so true. So true. Do you know, I think as well that we're not raising our kids to be perfect. You know, we're raising them to be human. And mm-hmm. the more we can model human behavior, the better they're going to be at being humans for sure but that makes me reminds me of like i'm such a perfectionist that's deeply rooted in my character and i'm picking that apart these days as i keep analyzing everything but i have to take it's all about it always comes back to you right when you talk about all this conscious parenting i'm like i have to take that out looking at her and raising her as she is without my own yeah. stuff in it but I think how tired, tiring is it oh my gosh right it how takes 100 percent of my focus sometimes no, but i'm getting better it gets easier no but get that's easier. perfectionism like how tiring is it it's very <laughs> tiring i have i have slowly chipped away at my perfectionism over the years but one of the things that started that catalyst to me was losing that baby my first baby And I often talk about that being one of the most challenging things in my life, but also one of the things that evolved me as a person Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And it made Mm me always want to be better and look back on things. So it was a little bit, in some ways, a gift that he gave me. It was like someone almost looking out for me and saying, it's okay. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so it was, you you know. You just have to embrace those parts of yourself and really allow yourself to be held. Going on from... At India's birth, what was the journey like becoming pregnant with Reef? So with Reef, it again took some time for because I had this extremely profound experience with India and being pregnant with her. Um, the minute she was born, uh, even though it was traumatic, I was ready to be pregnant again. It was just like I was high on this oxytocin. Of, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but the experience Ex- that I had mm. with India. 
And when I fell pregnant with Reef, I knew he was a boy straight away. I had that very intense feeling. And I think that goes back to how we always talk about being intuitive and really connecting to your body. Um, but other than that, I just had this like, real curiosity for who this little guy was inside of me because he was brand new. Yeah. So it was a completely different experience. Do you mind sharing a little bit about why it was challenging to get pregnant? Yeah. Um, we actually don't know. <laughs> so we had both had tests and there was nothing wrong with either of us. So we fell into the unexplained fertility category, which is kind of worse in a way because I was definitely in the camp of, well, we'll just go and find out what's wrong and then we'll fix it and then we'll have our family. And it just didn't work that way. And I think that was another lesson that I needed to learn about myself, you know, um, and I definitely believe that these things are thrown our way and into our path so that we can learn from the experience of that. And it was just all about timing. You know, when we got married, I used to work in luxury retail. I was a merchandiser for luxury brands. I was not a yoga teacher. I had the beginnings of that. So I was really super into health and I did love yoga and it was only a matter of time before that overwhelmed me and became my life. But if I had had a child at that point in my life, I would not be the mother that I am now. Yeah, it just took time, basically. It Divine was all in the timing. <laughs> yeah. So then you're pregnant with Reef. Yeah, and it was also a wonderful experience. I don't want to take away from the experience that I had. It just wasn't spiritual in the way that it was with India and I guess I had a toddler running around as well. So it's very difficult to, it's a lot more difficult to feel connected and feel like you're on this journey, the two of you, when there's a screaming toddler around 24 seven as well. Yeah. It was more of a lesson and just carrying on and just waiting to meet this brand new little person. And so when did you reach out to Lindsay about doing the calm birth method? I think I must have been about 30 or 32 You were further along. Like, we'd been in touch, and you'd said, oh, yeah, 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 it sounds really, really cool. But then, yeah, so we just did a couple of refresher sessions. Yes. But it was very – the last session was very close to the end. It was, yeah. uh, Reef went all the way to 40 weeks, and India was actually premature, so she was born at 36 weeks. Hey, Lindsay. You know what I found the most challenging in the early days after I gave birth? What's up? Pretty much everything. (laughs) You know, the pressure of trying to cram it all in, get it all done. Right? I mean, who honestly has the physical time or the mental capacity to be thinking about what to eat and when you're going to eat it, when you're figuring out breastfeeding or spending ages trying to get a burp out of your baby? That's exactly why I love Milky Mama lactation goodies. For example, the lactation smoothies aren't just about boosting milk supply. The combination of superfood ingredients help replenish the mom after she's given birth. Things like flaxseed, which is a great source of folate and essential fatty acids, or beetroot powder, which is an amazing source of iron, essential after a woman's delivered her baby. I don't think I would have even had the time to scoop powder into a blender and make proper smoothie. You don't need any of that. I don't? Nah. The Milky Mama lactation smoothies were designed to be totally fuss-free 
entertaining. You can just add water, give it a stir, and drink. Amazing! Perfect for a busy breastfeeding or pumping mom who needs to tackle hydration, nutrition, and supplementation in one go. Right? That's why I love them. So make sure you get 10% off your first purchase today by going to zigfitmama.com slash milkymamahk. That's Z-I-G-F-I-T-M-A-M-A dot com slash M-I-L-K-Y-M-U-M-M-A-H-K and use code FIRST10 at checkout. That's code FIRST10 at checkout. If I speak for myself, I think my biggest reasoning for wanting to do the calm birth method was that I wanted to change the experience that I had had the first time. And Lindsay helped me unpack a few of my fears, but also to sort of just let things go a little as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought I was very chilled out, but I'm not anyway. So what I'm trying to say, <laughs> what was different about the experiences or what did you take from, from that? Um, so my birth with reef, um, also ended in emergency C-section. Actually, it was a much more, much more of an emergency situation. So it was a level one, um, C-section. So that means that there was immediate threat to the mother or the uh, threat of life to the mother or the baby. So Reef had the cord wrapped around his neck. And every time he tried to descend, the cord would just wrap around his neck and his heart rate would plummet. So it was different in that the work I had done with Lindsay had just really prepared me to advocate more for myself and ask the right questions. And even though the situation really was beyond anyone's control, I felt in control of the situation. Whereas with India, the whole thing just overwhelmed me so completely. I lost part of myself in that moment. That makes sense. And that's what I really want for people with the, you know, when you describe your pregnancy with India and all these, and then kind of blocking out any other possibilities. I try and get people to open up to all possibilities because it's not about what's going to happen. We can't say that things are not going to take a turn. There's no Mm -hmm. guarantees. I cannot guarantee that nobody can guarantee that for you, but it's how do we manage these situations? Oh, but you asked me before, like what led me to, to, to that point. And it's strange because we knew each other before you were a calm birth teacher. It wasn't actually the calm birth method that drew me to that work. It was just the need to work with Lindsay more. Aww. I feel you. Yeah. Guys. Lindsay, you've got good energy. <laughs> you do. It's Thank you. Your, yeah, your it's my pleasure to do that. I love doing it and hearing people's stories and, you know, opening up and I don't intend to make people cry, but having that release like you and I, we both did. We actually had this with both of you. It's like a good release where you realize and let go of some stuff Mm -hmm. is for me, like a really special moment that people can share that, like, let me be part of that. So, and for me that absolutely needed to happen before I gave birth to Reef. It was very, very difficult, but I felt so much calmer within myself than I had with India, which is just crazy because it was a much hairier kind of situation than what I had had with India. Actually, what I found even more challenging was the separation from India. So we have had this like real togetherness for three years and the other lifetimes. And then suddenly we weren't together and we'd never had nights apart before. 
and she we were finally able to get her into the corridor of the hospital but she wasn't allowed to come actually into the ward or anything like that so I just had to go into the hall to see her and she was very like no I don't want my mummy I just want my daddy and my heart was just ripping out of my chest it was just the most her like I would just go back to my bed and just sob because I just missed her so badly and that during that week of my stay in the hospital she turned three so I wasn't we opened her birthday presents in the corridor and it was just so hard it's taken us time to rebuild I see so many parallels with my birth as well because I had an emergency c-section and I was away from my toddler who I loved dearly Mm. and also you know he slept in my bed every night that kind of stuff Mm. and so I remember facetiming him in the hospital and he was like, where's my baby? When are you coming home, mommy? Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of feels there. And, and now we're a little bit ahead of you or a few months ahead. And yeah, we're all in our groove now and there's good bonding. So good. So hard, you know, like even now India will say to me, I don't want you to take care of Reef. I want you to take care of me. And I personally find that so hard because you know, and this goes back to conscious parenting again and the language that we use with our children, you know. So many people, and I have been one of those people, have said to India at one point in time, you're a big girl now. And actually she's not. She's still a little girl. And they're thrust into this role of big sister or big brother and we suddenly expect so much more of them. And they're going through this tremendous upheaval and change in their life as well. And they're as human as we are, you know, and it's, it's a very difficult time. But the fact that she can turn to you and say, I want you to take care of me right now, not Reef, mm-hmm. even though that might not always be possible that's spectacular in my opinion, because she can advocate for herself and tell you, mommy, I need this. Mm. And that can open the dialogue. So that's, that's down Mm. to you and what you've given her. And I Mm. think that's like, if my child could say, turn to me and tell me her needs like that, that's to me, that's like the root of conscious parenting. I think for me, it's about giving her the space to have those emotions let that energy pass through her. You know, I think sometimes with parenting, we're looking for that answer that gives us, you know, the perfect child or the well-behaved child. And really conscious parenting is nothing to do with that because I think that probably the children that have these conscious parents are actually the ones that are having the tantrums and are having these big emotions and we allow them to have it because ultimately one day when she is older, when she's a teenager and when she's an adult, I don't want her to internalize those emotions. I want her to know that, hey, I can give myself the space to feel whatever it is I'm feeling and all of that is okay. The really well-behaved children, uh, you're setting them up for that life of perfectionism because you're kind of pushing them into a space where they don't have the space to feel those emotions, right? It is very confrontational and it is very triggering when your child is having these big emotions and it's hard to take a step back and go, I hear you, I hear you, you know, 
and it's not always easy. But the more that we can do that, the more that they know it's okay to have both good and bad feelings and we can't feel good all the time because no one does, you know. And it's, for me personally, it's exactly the same with manners, please and thank you, and I'm sorry. So we never, ever force India to say, please, thank you, or I'm sorry. I force my child to say all three things, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, when I think about it, (laughs) when I think about it, do I say please and thank you every single time? No, like not for every single thing. The thing is, I do, and I say I'm sorry a lot, and I don't, now I'm I'm getting conscious to it. I'm like, is this because that was ingrained in me as a child? It definitely was me, but I feel that's why, like, I feel I need to break the cycle of it because... I want, she says please and thank you all the time, by the way, and I'm sorry too, but she says it when she feels it, not because I've told her to say it. Say that one more time. (laughs) She says please and thank you when she feels it, not because I've told her to. I'm going to try this. I have been thinking about this recently where, because, you know, I've read one of my, I have like so many books on the go, don't I? I'm ridiculous, but I read some... (laughs) thing somewhere and it was saying when let's say Liv smacks me right then my husband would probably say oh say sorry to mommy right but now I'm trying to say to her I I, I show that it hurts if it does and I think or say you know like what could you do to make mommy feel better Mm -hmm. and just see what happens this is in one of the books it's like oh if if they hurt someone if they push a kid over you can say oh so-and-so feels really sad. Is there anything you could do yeah. in this situation yeah. and just see what happens? Yeah. And so I'm trying, I'm trialing that right now. I'll report back soon. But. So what I found with India is that a lot of the time she won't say it in the moment, but she'll say it later, later on. And we often don't have the discussion in the moment. We have the discussion separate to the moment yeah. because for me, it comes down to shame. You can't shame your child into doing something. Right? I'm just, yeah. (laughs) Ziggy's having an epiphany right now. Please continue though. I'll hold it in until the end. Yeah. That's it. Go. No, but I was shamed as a child all the time. Yeah. And like, (sighs) let it out. Yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to bring my child up that way. Yeah. Because I know what it feels like to grow up. I hear you. You know? Oh my God, I'm a <laughs> You hear me, you know, and like how many times in my childhood was it, I hear you, I see you. It was be quiet, yeah. go away, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Do not have this reaction. Yeah. And so we just learn to push these things down. Yeah. Right? And if we say to our children, say sorry for that. Even if they say the words, you're shaming them into those words. You are. And if you let it be, have a separate conversation about it in a loving space, you know, it's a very different conversation. And I will always say to India, and sometimes I'm more angry, you know, about the situation. And I'll say to her, when you're ready, I'm here for a hug. And a lot of the time it's because she, and this might be very specific to her and her needs, but she just wants to feel heard and loved, you know? And 
to me, that's so much more important to hold that space for her than to shame her into saying please or thank you or I'm sorry. How do you, um, is your husband very similar? How do you navigate this with him? So we, he's definitely, um, in the conscious parenting camp as well. We talk about it a lot and I think you have to, I think whether both parents are the same or not. And I don't think that's important. What I think is important is that you have an understanding of where each other is at. Each parent is on their own journey with it. And I definitely think that I'm probably further along that journey than Nick, but both of us are healing things from our childhood. And we, you know, it's very difficult to say because we both have wonderful parents that love us very, very much. But like I said before, our parents did the best that they could with the knowledge that they had. And I feel like with the knowledge that I have, it's my responsibility to do the best that I can with what I know. So in a situation where, say, like Liv, like dug her nails into like my husband's arm yesterday, because she was just frustrated, right? She was frustrated with something. So what could I do or what could someone do in a situation like that when your child does something? So if, you're in the situation where they have hurt you or they've hurt um, someone else um, and it's not, you know, it's not safe if it's another kid especially. Um, But if she's hurt me as well, I will hold her arms firmly but not, you know, to the point that it stops her from doing it and I say to her calmly but firmly, I won't, so from that point, I won't then set, make her say sorry. I won't try and push her into an emotion around it, but depending on how wound up she is. So if she's like beyond listen, you know, the point of reason or listening to, then I probably would drop it and talk to her about it later. If she's in at the point where she can still hear me, then I might have a conversation with her about, you know, what, is frustrating you. Why do you feel that way? It's okay if you feel frustrated, you know, and have a chat about it. But sometimes they're beyond that point. And anything you say is not going to go in at that point. So, you know, we don't hurt each other, take the hands off and yeah, come back to it. All right. I'm I'm feeling really happy because I'm working so hard on this. (laughs) You're doing a great job. You are. You're so I think as well, it's, it goes back to modeling the behavior yes, that we want. I think about know. this all the time. So Dan and George wrestle all the time. They <laughs> physically wrestle. And I know that for boys, especially like having rough and tumble play is really good for their emotional yeah. release. But you know, it's hard when I'm that parent who has the child that's like trying to fight everybody you know, and I'm like, oh, he's so boisterous. <laughs> and, you know, letting that be a thing. We have to kind of embrace all of those parts of our children, you know, and you can be that softer side for him, you know, that. That's hilarious because I don't find myself very soft. No, you are. And you yeah. are. Thank you. I think you really are. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to ask you three questions related to, or a question related to the word mom, body, and soul. Okay. So for mom, what is the biggest gift motherhood has given you? <laughs> I would definitely have to say healing. It's such a journey of healing yourself, 
reparenting yourself and getting to know yourself all over again in a totally different way, in a totally different light. One thousand million trillion percent. I agree with that. Okay. Like yes. double tap <laughs> body. Ah, well, I think we've kind of already talked about this, but how has your physical practice of yoga evolved postpartum? <laughs> it has evolved so much. Oh my goodness. Even though we talked about, you know, the physical practice of yoga not being the only part of yoga, it was still a very important part for me. Oh, yes. and I was definitely the one who was handstanding and doing all the things. Whereas now I'm like, how can I just give myself some space? So literally just the act of rolling out my mat is a very spiritual experience for me. Whereas before I probably would have done that without thinking about it. Soul. What daily practice feeds your soul? Mm. Laughing with my children. Yeah. I think we don't take enough time in life to laugh. We get overwhelmed by the stresses of the day, by the things we need to do, by the busyness, the wondering if I've done it wrong or if I've done it right. And ultimately we just need to laugh more and love more. Yay. I'm just smiling really big. (laughs) Cause I'm trying to, I'm trying to take all these things in as well at this point in my life. I constantly stop myself. If I'm feeling tired or overwhelmed, I stop Mm -hmm. myself and I look at Liv and I just try to be super present with her and enjoy this special moment. Cause I love this age. Yeah. And And it's such a gift as well. I'm always like, I need to be doing something. I need to be da 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 da. And I feel bad and guilty sometimes if I am just playing with my child and there's, you know, I feel like maybe I should be writing something or documenting this or, you know, but I think you'll look back and those are the moments that you'll treasure the moments where you sat and played for five minutes. I always think like if I'm trying to do something for work and she comes up to me, I put whatever it is I'm working on away and say, mommy's going to pay attention to yeah. you right now. Definitely. Yeah. And because I don't know if she cares or not, but I <laughs> No. But the impact oh is big. It's so profound because mm-hmm. they see you doing the work. And even at the very youngest age, they are thinking that work is more important than me. Mm-hmm. Or that phone is more important than me. And I think that that registers very, very early on. And I think, you know, ultimately, of course there's deadlines and things like that, but when we're with them, really be with them. Exactly. That's what I'm, that is what I'm working. It's tough during these times. It's currently wave three of COVID. So I don't know if you saw on my Instagram the other day, but I put a sign up on my bedroom door. It said, said, please do not disturb. Mummy's working. The (laughs) smiley face, but I love you. Oh, And she can't read. But so it was more for me and she can't read. I read it to her though. (laughs) I was like, just putting up some boundaries. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful holiday visit on Lantau. If you're looking for some slow living, eco inspo, conscious parenting and gorgeous photos, head to 
at urban.earthmama on Instagram. Thanks for listening. The best way to support this podcast is to share it with somebody you love. Until next week, this is Mom, Body, Soul.